money. Yeah, yeah. I know way too many people here right now that I didn't know last year. Who the fuck are y'all? I swear it feels like the last few nights. We've been everywhere and back, but I just can't remember it all. What am I doing? What am I doing? Oh yeah, that's right, I'm doing me I'm doing me I'm living life right now, man And this what I'ma do till it's over Till it's over But it's far from over This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins Presented by Four Roses Hi, let's get it. How you doing, everybody? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon, and we about to set it off in this bitch, Jada Pinkett. Big 2021 move, baby. Here we come. Here we are. Here we go. Off to a good start. I have a lot of stuff that uh, I want to get to today, all right? need to follow up on some things from last week. I've got a car update. You guys are not going to fucking believe what I'm dealing with right now. You guys are not going to believe it. I swear. I swear. Nothing's ever easy. You know, nothing Nothing in life is ever easy. I swear to God. Uh, so I got to give you a car update because obviously <laughs> we don't have any Uber stories today. I'll tell you why that is. I'll tell you why that is. And in lieu of that, last week I had said, hey, maybe next week or at some point I'll share some old files. I've got these I used to call them the intern diaries when I was with 1300. I have uh, some clips from doing the Friday favorites thing with the Louisville Bats. I have a show intro that uh, I used when we were doing the show my senior year. I was hosting the radio show at uh, at school, and I have an intro from that. Still bangs, still bangs so fucking hard. It gets me so juiced up, baby. But uh, I, I have um, then some other things that I, I was uh, so, so I am so. I'm such a pack rat with some stuff, and and not like OCD, I should be on A&E, oh my god, I'm a hoarder type shit, just I keep things filed away, boxed away, and I've had things for, you know, I, I still have magazine clippings from when I was a little kid, and I still have like, going back as far as my 7th grade report cards, I still have those with comments from teachers, and I have a lot, basically almost anything that I've ever written in my life, I've tried to save and hold on to, and I don't have everything, but I was super organized, super OCD in college. I literally have, I was going through, I have all these things in like manila file folders and manila folders and I have like every single syllabus and and every single piece of coursework and some of them even my class notes from the courses that I was taking in, at UK and I came across my old, it was a, uh, it was a fourth it was a third grade portfolio that I, I, you know, you always would would submit this letter to the end, um, basically doing your year in review. You'd write a letter to the reviewer and you would put together your writing portfolio. And like we did that all the time in second, third, fourth grade. And I still have mine from third grade where I literally have <laughs> all of these different, uh, all these different things. And I still have mine from seventh grade where I literally still have all of these different things that I wrote. Uh, one of them's about North Carolina. A couple of them are some poems. And it just really got me down this road of reading through some of the stuff I've written over the years. And um, I have some some uh, some poetry. All right. Yeah, some poetry. Yeah, I write some poetry. Fuck you. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's fire. It, it really is fire. And um 
one of the uh, one of the poems that that became has become kind of a defining um, thing to me, and uh, also. <laughs> So I wrote for the school newspaper when I was a senior in high school as well, and I have a, I have an article titled "The Return of Michael Vick," and this thing slaps so hard. So I'm gonna read that. I'm gonna read some of this other stuff and fondly look back on it and play some of these old clips. And you're probably thinking, Ben, what the hell? Why, why, you know, why no Uber stories? Why are we taking this trip down memory lane? Well, here's the deal. Let me go ahead and get to the car update. All right. Um, I got a text from the guy who works in the service department at Oxmoor Hyundai. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say their name because I said their name and I praised him literally the day before. I was like, hey, thank you guys so much for this brand new car that you just gave me. It's a 2021 Elantra. It's all decked out. It's blacked out. Rims blacked out. Nice as fuck. I'm going, this is pretty sweet. Okay. Well, the reason that I got that was because I dropped the car off on a Monday and they said, hey, we should be able to get it back to you in a day. I'm like, all right, great. That sounds amazing. If you do that, then I'll be able to get back on road right after Christmas and we'll hit the ground running in 2021. Well, that didn't happen, my friends. Um, <laughs> I go to drop off my car on that Monday and uh, then... I'm surprised at the dealership when they say, hey, actually, we're pulling a car around for you, which I had asked for, you know, just to have for that day. And they probably weren't going to give me one for just that day, a loaner, right? But then when I show up and they're like, yeah, we're pulling a car off for you uh, off the lot. We got to put some temporary tags on it. It was literally so brand new, they didn't even have tags on it yet. They had to put on the temporary tags. So I got paper tags. Uh, feel kind of baller, you know? But... um. I'm like, oh, well, that's not a good sign if they're pulling me a car around. What's going on? They said, well, we're hoping to get your car back to you by next Monday. I'm like, guys, that's a whole other week. I thought I was going to have it back in a day. Now with, you know, this is before Christmas and Christmas Eve, so I'm thinking, great. I'm probably not going to get this back, you know, even, even by next Monday. I don't know, you know. I mean, people are gone. People are out of the office. People are taking time off. You get the holidays. I'm like, shit, this is not good. So they're like, yes, we're so sorry, you know, but we might have it back to you by the end of the week, you know. We may have it back to you next Monday. So we're just going to have to see. But the technician that diagnosed your vehicle, he's out right now. Um, he may be back in before the Christmas, but we're not really sure. I'm like, you know what, guys, if you can just get, if you could do this, if you could get my car back to me before Friday or on Friday, I'll give you a bottle of Four Roses single barrel. And I told that to the service guy and he was like, oh, wow, okay, nice. Because obviously, you know that that's one of the greatest gifts that you could possibly give to somebody, right? You want to show somebody that you appreciate them, give them a bottle of Four Roses single barrel. So... I try to incentivize him. I'm like, listen, if there's any way you could push this thing through, I'm kind of like, I don't want to get into it, but I'm kind of a big deal. I got to be out on the road. I got this podcast, you know, and I'm like, I'm definitely not at that level. And I definitely didn't say that to him at that point. Okay. But, you know, the week starts, the week begins, whatever. He touches base with me. He, I'll say this, um, and it's not his fault. Okay. It's, it's not his fault. Um, the guy that I'm working with there at Oxmoor Hyundai who, who works in the service department, good dude. He's, he's being the best help he can. And I know that it's not his fault. So I want to make that really clear. Like I'm not bitching and 
trying to get this dude, you know, in 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 uh in some shit or anything like that. No, no, no. It's not his fault. I and I know that, you know. He's doing everything he can do. But I get a text from him and he's been great communicating with me throughout this whole process. I get a text from him and then I get a call. And um he gives me a quick update. Hey man, just want to let you know our technician that diagnosed your car initially has not been back in. So we're still kind of we're looking at that Monday, but here's the bigger problem. I'm like, "Oh fuck." You know, "Oh fuck." <laughs> You're just like, "Give it to me. Don't sugarcoat it. Let me know." It's like, "I'm going to send some pictures over and I want you to take a look at your car." I'm like, "What happened to my car?" Well, you see, sir, it was parked on our lot, and one of the tow truck guys was dropping off a car at our dealership, and this is a big tow truck company. It's called Tony's. They service all five of our dealership locations, so we do a lot of business with them, but the tow truck driver that was dropping a car off backed into your car, and it's pretty bad. Like, he fucked up the grill, and um, now we're having to... It just happened 20 minutes ago, so we need to figure out if they're going to go through insurance to pay for it or if they're just going to do the work and fix it and just, you know, basically just cover the charge themselves. I'm like, oh, this is a disaster. I'm like, this is a fucking disaster. He sends me the pictures, and dude, literally the scene in uh, Godfather 1 where Don Vito's like, Look how they massacred my boy. That's 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 going through my mind as I'm looking through because they fucking cracked this grill so bad. The front camera is just absolutely fucked. And it looks like the hood is now pushed up a little bit, kind of bunched up. And I'm just looking at this thing like trying not to snap. Because I, I you know, look, I, I really Sometimes I lose my cool every now and then. I really, really try. And I, and I do a pretty good job of keeping it under control. You know, I might, tell somebody t- I might tell somebody straight up, like, you suck at your job. You fucking suck. You know what I mean? Uh, if they really, really deserve it. I don't, I don't, because I don't have a lot of patience for people that just, you know, it's like at an airport and you see some guy yelling at some person who's just trying to figure out connecting flights and help them out or you see these people that are just trying to help you they're really just trying to help you I mean most of the time these people at at, at places like that at rental car places at airports um, at car maintenance places like they're really trying to just help you get the job done and, and go home to their family or whatever you know what I mean so I don't have a lot of patience for people that just absolutely blow up because I think also when, you know, you can tell a lot about somebody and their character about how they treat quote unquote the help, right? Like you can really, the way that you judge a man or a woman's character is to watch how they treat people that can do nothing for them and and they don't need anything from. Those people are are really a good gauge on Okay, is this person full of shit, or is this person a pretty genuine person? I, I think that's one of the best ways that you can gauge that. So I don't just I, I don't believe in in blowing up at this guy when he gives me this news because it's not look he didn't do it he's not the dipshit tow truck driver that did it he's just he's relaying the bad news to me. The only reason that 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 I was just you know I was bummed out. Because I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, I'm like, fuck, man. This is a disaster. Because now, 
I have to wait for this tow truck company to do the work. They own a body shop too, right? So they're going to do the work and they're gonna, they have to fix the front of the car to then give it back and put it on the lot so that Oxmoor Hyundai can do the brakes. And I'm sitting here like, this should have never fucking happened in the first place. Because you guys at Oxmoor Hyundai, you told me, hey, we'll get it back to you in a day. Probably. Probably a day. Then I show up. Then you tell me it's probably going to be a week. So I'm like, all right, well, not the end of the world. I'm thinking I'll get my car back on hopefully next Monday and then have a couple of days and get some Uber stories and ask some people about the holidays and probably touch on a lot of the stuff that I did on the New Year's special and you know, just kind of go at it like that. I'm like, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. We're not sunk yet. Well, then he calls me and tells me that the car got hit. He sends me the pictures. They look absolutely fucking terrible. And now I don't know how long it's going to be until I get my car back. My boy, look how they massacred my boy. Yeah, I, I, and, and so now it's like, it shouldn't have even happened in the first place because if they had just done what they said they were going to do, got it back to me in a day, the car would not have been sitting there on the lot and been in a position for it to be hit in the first place. That's what's so frustrating. That's, that's, that's the fucking God, man. That's what's so frustrating. It's like, it shouldn't have even been there. Like, this, this whole situation should not have even happened because it shouldn't have been there in the first place. If you guys had done what you said you're going to do, you gave me your word, probably get it back in a day, if not two days, you know, I that thing's not sitting there and this tow truck driver doesn't back into it. Like I and I was like, was it parked somewhere where it was at risk of being hit? He's like, No, sir, it was actually parked all alone. All alone. It's sitting over in the lot. No one's around it. And some tow truck driver absolutely fucking smashed me. And so now, not only have the brakes not been done. Not only is it January 6th and I'm sitting here without my car, but also I need to now wait on the work to be done. And that's the thing is like, I don't know how long it's going to take. I haven't gotten that update yet from uh, from the body shop, you know, and from, from uh, Tony's tow truck service where it's like, hey, we're going to take a couple weeks on this. I mean, I'm just I'm just I'm just figuring like I'm I'm mentally preparing for the worst, the eternal pessimist over here. I'm mentally preparing for what could be maybe a few weeks where I don't have my car and it doesn't even get the brakes done on it, which was what it was originally there for the first place. Should have never been sitting on the lot and I I'm just I'm kind of just beside myself because it, it's like one of those things. It's like well, I I can, you know, I can be pissed off and I can go on this angry tirade and I can track down the guy from Tony's and I can bitch him out, but it's like, okay, it happened. What am I going to do? You know, do I want to be negative about it or do I want to just say my piece about it, which I have, all right, I've said my piece about it, and then move on to the next thing and just stay unbothered. I'm going to take the second option because ultimately if I if I think about it too much or if I think about, oh my God, I can't start the year the way that I wanted it, that's life. That is such a fucking, that is so life in a nutshell. It's like you have this plan, you think it's going to go a certain way, and then it's like the old Mike Tyson quote, everybody has that plan until they get punched in the mouth. So we're, 
we're off to a good start in 2021. By no fault of my own, I might add. You know, this is this is totally not me. But you know what? You know what? I took it as a sign of growth because even though I haven't been able to keep the same schedule, even though I've certainly been battling with this feeling of being unproductive during the daytime, I've I've made good use of my time. But but it really, you know, I'm just kind of like I'm so ready to get back out there. And the thing is, you know, they gave me this car, which I just took to Indian back this weekend, um, and I'm driving this thing like now, hey, you know, <laughs> you gave me a car, man, I'm going to use it. I wish, if it wasn't such a pain in the ass, I would use that car and drive Uber with it. But the thing is, with Uber, you know, you have to have all the documentation for a vehicle, you have to have certain um insurance like liability amounts that are set that you have to have on on the car and just all this stuff and it's just like I can't do that with this car um and I'm just kind of just in limbo I feel like I'm in limbo and I'm trying my best and like well my, my kind of a sign of growth is that usually uh in past experiences at different points in my life, I'm I'm this I'm this type of person that I'm I'm like so all or nothing. You know what I mean? Like it needs to be the most challenging, difficult thing or I don't want it at all. Or I have to be really good at it or I don't even want to fucking do it because I don't want to be just mediocre. I don't want to just half ass anything. You know what I mean? So, um a lot of times in my life that's looked like one little thing going wrong. And then me being like, well, fuck the gym, fuck my diet, fuck all this other stuff that I'm working on. I'm just going to let it all go to shit. And that's just kind of like my brain being like, quit, give up, let it all fucking fail. It's like, no, shut up, you know, you're not going to control me this time. And like, I, I, you know what, I feel, I feel proud of the fact that I, I didn't just totally let all these other things slide just because one little thing over here did and I've got all this other stuff that's going on over here and that's really good but this one thing and it's a pretty big fucking thing but this one thing didn't go right and in the past I've kind of just been somebody that's like well fuck it fuck it all you know if 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 if, if it can't all be right then fuck it all you know but like that's that's not the way that we're doing it this year. That's not the way we've been doing it in the last seven months. It's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to have one little thing go wrong and still stay committed to everything else that you're working on. And it's like, it is. It's, it's life in a nutshell because here I am thinking I'm going to do the Christmas special. I'm going to do the New Year's special. And then the very first episode of 2021, we're going to have Uber Stories Part 21. And it's going to be great. And we're going to start out with a bang. You know what? And I had to kind of talk myself off of this ledge of, well, now that we can't do Uber stories and start the year, we're going to start off on the wrong foot and everything is scrubbed and it's just like, no, 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 no. We're still going to come out with a bang. Big mood for 2021. We're far from over and this podcast is just going to continue to grow and our hustle and our grind and our reach and our vibes, all of that is just going to continue to grow in a positive way. That's what I'm manifesting here on this episode and it's going to set me up for the rest of 2021. So, I will keep you updated as I get updates about the car. I don't know when the next Uber stories is going to be. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that God, I cannot fucking believe that I'm saying this, but 4 weeks from now, a month from now, I'm going to have the car back. I'm hoping 
that it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, we're going to go ahead and expedite this. Because I figure that after the beginning of the year, there's probably some people who had scheduled their cars to be fixed and stuff like that. And like, if this is a kind of a bigger uh, tow truck company and body shop, they probably have some jobs in the queue before me. I'm hoping, though, that they can maybe understand these circumstances. And that's when I did say to this guy at Oxmoor Hyundai, I'm like, listen, dude, I understand what happened. That sucks. Thanks for being so communicative with me and giving me these updates. Really appreciate that. If you can just please let me know when they're going to be able to get this work done and what they're saying and giving you as a time frame on it. You know, because I'm just like, I'm just naturally in my head, yeah, four weeks at worst, probably two weeks at best. I'm just going to guess two weeks. And that's probably wildly inaccurate, but I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I have anything else to cling to at this point, you know? So two weeks, hopefully. And I told this guy, look, that's that's when I did say, hey, I wasn't going to lead with this, but I'm kind of a big deal. No, I'm just kidding. But I did say, hey, listen, I host this show. I drive for Uber and I kind of can't do a lot of the stuff with the show unless I'm able to drive for Uber. So the faster that you can get me out back on road, the better. So please, as soon as possible, let me know what what Tony's is saying in, in terms of the time frame. I had a, I God, I had to smack this guy. I had to smack this guy up his fucking head. Say, watch where you're going once in a while, you know, but but that's not Listen, that's not that's not the type of energy that we want to manifest in this episode, you know? Even though that guy deserves it, you know? A little slap in the head, you know? Hey, wake up, do your job. What if it had been a kid? You know, he just backs into this car. What if it had been a kid? What if it had been a dog? What if it had been, uh, you know, grandma? <laughs> you know, it's like, do you watch where you're fucking backing up with this big rig? I, I You know what? I digress. I digress. I've said my piece. I've said my piece, and now now we're moving on. That's that's that that segment is dead to me. Um, here's here's uh, so yeah, so in in lieu of Uber stories, I guess the next couple weeks, um, you know, I'll probably I might maybe do interviews. You know, usually the interviews that I do are kind of like bonus episodes during the week. I I just don't have enough time, honestly. Um. To um, to sit there and 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 kind of work on that part of it as much as I would like to. So there will be some months when I have an interview lined up and a guest lined up every Friday of the month. There's other ones where I haven't had the time to be reaching out, or people need to reschedule, or people don't even get back to me. Like that happens still. And so there are going to be months where I don't have any guests. I don't think I had any guests um, in in December. And so. I might do maybe a couple guest interviews on Wednesdays just because I here's the thing is like I'm going to keep the same schedule. I'm going to do Wednesday episodes no matter what. I'm not going to miss an episode. So I'll be back on next week and I I don't know if it's going to be an interview with somebody or if it's going to be just something else, something else that I go into and we'll just keep on peeling back some of these layers and topics and I love that kind of stuff. I you know I could talk it's it's crazy. It's like um there'd be certain days where I'd come into the radio show that I was doing the sports show and I would struggle for content in basketball season in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. I would be struggling one person show without a producer really and I'm trying to fill an hour or two hours. I'm like, you know, get maybe one or two, you know, maybe let's let's just be generous about it. Let's say one strong segment, let's say one 
decent segment and then probably four other segments that are aren't you know worth a shit and i'd be struggling to fill this time and now you know last week i dropped an episode that was 3 hours and 23 minutes long and i'm sitting here going wow i feel like i probably could have gone 6 hours on that like even 3 hours and 23 minutes was me keeping that short if you can believe that and i kind of struggled with oh my God, are, are people going to stick around and listen or will people start listening and then not come back to it because it's the holidays and everything? But, you know, I just said, you know what? No, 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 no. If it's good enough, people will listen. People will come back to it. And over the course of just the first two days, you know, usually I'm, I'm kind of averaging about like an episode will come out and it'll get about 50 to 60 in those first couple days like plays like you know different people listening and then after about a week it'll be somewhere around 80 and then if I go back and look at it maybe a couple weeks later it'll be somewhere between usually my range is like 75 to 95 that that's that's on average I and um Actually, as, as I started to go through and, and uh, do the numbers, um, I average about 91 people that listen to each show that I do, each episode that I do. And I had 90 people within the first two days of putting out the New Year's special. It's because I've been doing these audiograms now. You may have seen that. I've been tweeting them out at BennyTomp18, sharing them on the Facebook page at RealTalkWBennyT, and putting them up on Instagram. And they're uh, little clips that I'm creating and then I put on, I use this app. It's called uh, Headliner. And um, they're audiograms, you know? And a lot of times, you know, it's it's like when when somebody's scrolling on something, it's really hard to get their attention, especially just through words and printed words, unless it's like something really juicy. That's why it's t- you know people that write those headlines that just grab you. That's a skill. Like that is seriously a talent. And sometimes it can be kind of tough to do. You know, there'll be all this good content sitting in this like little nugget on your timeline and you have no idea. You have no idea because maybe uh, I don't do a great job of previewing it or maybe I don't do a great job of, you know, tweeting out that headline. You know what I mean? I just do the episode title and I throw it up there with the link and bada bing, bada boom. But now I've started doing these audiograms and it just takes a little snippet, um, you know, kind of something that I'm highlighting, either a juicy part of a story or something that I really want to uh, share with people. And I'll put it in little quotations and I'll tweet it out. And then it's like a little video. And you can click on that and they're like less than 25 seconds long. And that's been hooking a lot of people. So as I've been using those audiograms and creating audiograms and sending those out, it's almost doubled what my usual plays per episode has been because now people see that and they hear that and they think oh wow that's pretty I, I want to hear the context of this I want to hear the full story I have to listen to this and then they get there and then the feedback that I've been getting from people is yeah you know what it was long but I was listening to every single minute of it. I came back to it. I was listening it, you know, in the morning. And then later on, I had some time. One kid said that he skipped his lunch to listen to it. And I fucking love that. To me, that's 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 incredible. And um, he's been 
tweeting uh, and liking a bunch of stuff and um, sharing a bunch of stuff. And that stuff, seriously, it helps. Like, it, it is free to do, and it helps me so much because then additional people start to see that stuff. And just just the support from him alone, you know, has, has really picked up. And, and that stuff is awesome to me. And that stuff is, I, I seriously cannot... I cannot express to you how much that means to me and how much it means for the show, and and it's amazing. So please keep sharing, uh, keep liking things, keep favoriting stuff. Like throw me a favorite on Twitter. You know what I mean? It's it's free to do, and those numbers they look good. They you know, and that's look, that's part of this. Sometimes it's like you know, sometimes it comes down to numbers game. You know, it, it's just it, it kind of sucks about that, but but that's part of it. So please keep sharing these with people. And if you haven't done this already, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I, I've certainly been seeing an uptick in those. But if you haven't done that, please just take like a minute out of your day, go to the show on Apple Podcasts, and leave me a review, a rating and a review. You know, it could be anything. It could be uh, an episode that you liked, an interview that you liked, even just a snippet. Uh, I, I that that stuff helps as well. So please continue to do that. Um, and you know, that like the thing is last week, uh, yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. Um, uh, but it felt amazing to kind of go through all that stuff and that's going to set up this entire year and it's really going to set up this entire show moving forward because this is going to be setting up conversations that I'm having with my writers and you know, it's like the Uber stories is, is definitely, um, kind of the, I guess maybe the main draw, you know what I mean? Like that's a big part of the show is my interactions with other people and real people giving me real stories and me giving them real talk. The interviews, uh, they will continue to be a part of the show and hopefully, um, you know, I need a guest booker, you know, if anybody's looking for an internship or if anybody knows anybody that wants to get into this, I'll, you know what, I'll mentor them, I'll teach them, I'll, I'll show them some stuff and I'll give them a space where they can kind of start putting some stuff on tape and they can have that and send it out to whoever. And uh, if you know anybody that's interested, I, I would I would love a guest booker. You know, that's, that's one of the things that I'm grinding for is uh, eventually to have a guest booker, you know, like a professional guest booker and just has access to, you know, celebrities and movie stars and athletes and uh, to open some of those doors. But you know what? I also, I, I think part of part of the appeal of me is that I can kind of talk to anybody, and when people listen to the show, they feel like they're just hanging out, you know? And it feels like I, the feedback that I've gotten is I really like this show because it's it's not about the celebrities, and it's not about the athletes, and it's not about these Wall Street elites or these Washington elites or these Hollywood elites like looking down upon America so far removed from everybody else that they think that they're just fucking amazing. But I like the real people, and 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 the interviews that I've done, a lot of them have been just with people, and then the the interviews that I've got lined up, coming up later in this month, that are going to be dropping over the next, um, you know, eight weeks, are just regular people that have interesting stories, and uh, there's some real ones, you know, and that's how I like it. So I, I think that'll always be a component of the show, um, but the but like the main component. The main component is me, you know? God, you're so conceited. I know. I It's terrible. I'm sorry. Fuck me, you know? But, like, <laughs> I have. you guys have to like me as a host 
to want to hear what I what I'm gonna say, you know? And there's gonna be times where I do an episode and it is about me. You know, the show is about me. Helping people. Yeah, I, I love that. But that's more for me than it is for them, you know, really. I, I mean, because I'm I'm selfless with it. Like I, I would I would probably do anything for anybody unless they they've kind of burned their chance with me, okay? But for people that I meet, yeah, I, I would I would I would do a lot for them. I you know, I because I'm just I'm just that type of dude, you know? I, I just I am. Um but I but I do that because it makes me feel good and I find I, I find a a purpose in that and I feel very fulfilled doing that. And that to me, if you can <laughs> anything you do in life if it's your job, if it's stuff that you do on the side, outside of your job, like if you're lucky enough that you work a job and have a career that not only you are good at, uh, but also you find purpose and you feel like you're being fulfilled, like you're you're kind of destined to do this thing and you're good at it and it makes you feel good and it helps other people and it's a great thing then that's amazing. That is the biggest success that I think that you could ever have in life outside of having strong, loving relationships with friends and family. And I, I think I think those things are super important. And so I need to be able to know that this show could stand even if the Uber stories wasn't a part of it. You know what I mean? Like people would still listen to me even if I wasn't doing this bit. So I think, and and a lot of times, you know, you see these shows, and once one thing, like once, it's like, like think about it like this: music careers. After Kanye stopped putting out albums like "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy" and "Graduation," and um, even "Life of Pablo," like of course "Life of Pablo," but. I mean, he moved away from that and he went in a different direction artistically and that's cool. That's fine. You've earned the right to do that in your career. But now you've left behind all of your fans that that aren't into Jesus or aren't into Jesus is King and aren't into uh, yay. You know, like that stuff doesn't really do it for me. It really doesn't, especially the Jesus is King album. I, I like, what are you doing? I, I, you know, the gospel thing, and it's like, that's cool, but now you've alienated the people that made you famous, basically. You know, your fans that listened to your stuff, that bought your albums, that downloaded your shit, that shared your shit. Now those people are like, let us know when our boy comes back. You know, let, let us know when our boys returned. And he might be so far gone that he never does it, and and that's sad. But I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to blow up on the Uber story stuff and then never come back to that, and then just take the show in a totally different direction. Now, maybe twenty years down the road, when I'm kind of like I've kind of had enough, I've seen too much shit, I've had way too many close calls out here driving around all the time, I'm just ready to kind of chill. I think I'll reach that point. But while I'm young, while I've got the energy and the hunger, and I gotta make it, and I'm just comeback season, back back in the day, I, I gotta go for it. I gotta go for it. And and I can do that. And my energy is such that I, I can just keep drumming along and uh, I'm gonna do it as long as I can do it. But there's gonna be other times where it's just gonna be, you know, me and whatever I wanna talk about. And uh, I need to know that uh, that that's okay too. And Last week, 
The reason that I say any of that stuff is because last week and the week before, the Christmas special and the New Year's special, that proved to me that the show will be fine even if we have to miss Uber stories a couple of weeks because my car's in the shop. And we're going to be fine even if we're not doing those kind of stories for a minute because I'm still the main attraction. People are still tuning in to listen to because whether it's real talk that I'm given or receiving from these writers and these people and these people that come on the show that I interview or whether it's me giving the real talk, that's what you're going to get week in and week out. So just know that. It's always going to be real. It's always going to be unfiltered. And there's never going to be anywhere that I'm unafraid or unashamed to go because it has to be real. It has to be real. And as long as it is, and as long as the content is good, then people will come. You know, I'm filled with dreams in it over here, baby. If you build it, they will come. Last week was a huge testament to that because it it broke my two-day record uh, for plays in that window. And over the course of the last week, I mean, it's it's getting to be one of my most played episodes ever. Ever, 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 you know? So, and that's that's a great, that's a great feeling. That's a great feeling to know that... Um, as tough as some of that stuff was, um, and as good as that felt, you know, you just don't know. You just don't know. You, I put that out there, and and I never know if I'm gonna get a nasty text from somebody or if I'm gonna, you know, you just, you know, you never know. You never know. But the feedback and the response to that has been overwhelmingly positive. I've had people reaching out, sharing things with me that I never, you know, people from my past. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mention who who these people are, just out of respect for them. And and I have made a couple of offers. Hey, because um, it was like people who were reaching out to say, "Hey, listen to your latest podcast episode." And I I just want to let you know that a lot of the things that you talked about really hit home with me. They really hit deep with me. Like even though I'm 40 years older than you, or even though we weren't really great friends in high school and college, you know, I got a lot of those messages where it was like, hey, we've got some of the same experiences and listening to you go through that was therapeutic for me in a sense. And it did make me think about um, my situation and my circumstances and just made me kind of reevaluate it and kind of give me a more positive outlook on it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. Like, you know, that's amazing. That's awesome. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing great. You're doing great. So uh, the response has been just amazing. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you guys. You know, I really appreciate that. And if I have people now who are listening to this episode and you're back for another week and last week was your first episode or two weeks ago was your first episode, then welcome my friends. And I hope that you'll continue to ride with me as this show continues to grow and I continue to fix my life week by week. All right. Um, and, uh, the other thing that I, that I wanted to bring up was just, how happy I am doing this and you know as I sit here and it's the very first episode of 2021 and I think back to last year and uh, when I think back on 2020 it's going to be one of the years that I look back on and I most fondly remember and I know that's almost impossible to believe and I know that it was such a tough year for so many different people for so many different reasons, okay, uh, especially in America. But I just, 
I'm always going to be forever thankful that 2020 happened the way that it did and everything went down the way that it did because I wouldn't I wouldn't be here doing this if it didn't. And if certain things didn't happen, then it wouldn't have accelerated kind of my path to this and me forging this part of kind of like the next part of my story and and this direction and um, everything that's going to unfold in the near future and hopefully long term. But like I, I would have probably stumbled around in the dark for at least, I don't know, maybe a couple more years. Um, maybe I would have gotten so burnt out on the sports radio thing, never taking off like I wanted it to. Like that, that probably would have been the worst thing for me is if I had gotten to 680 and continued the sports career thing and just hung around for a couple years hoping to get my own show and the, thinking I'm big time in the Louisville market and just like that, that, no, I, I, no, 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 no. 2020 happened, COVID happened. And it really just accelerated my path to this. And I'm so thankful for that. And 2020, as is, is shitty as it was, um, not being able to go to Hangout Music Festival and go fly out. Like, I was going to go fly out to the Bay Area and spend my, you know, 28th birthday out there with my friends out there. Um, that trip got canceled. Obviously... The holidays looked a lot different. My grandparents couldn't be with us, and that's something that uh, I look forward to every year. Like a lot of stuff happened this year that <laughs> I should say a lot of things didn't happen this year that normally do. Uh, but 2020 brought my girlfriend to me, and we connected at the very beginning of the year, and we're you know going a year strong. We're 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 a year into this thing. I, who would have thought? Who would have thought? You know, it's like. That brought me to her, you know, 2020 brought me to her and um, 2020 made me realize who I absolutely had to have in my life. That That's the biggest thing for me is like going through the quarantine and going through those like eight, 12, however many fucking weeks we were all cooped up in the stay at home orders. It really made me think about who can I not wait to see when this is all over. Who am I dying to spend time with? Who am I on the phone with? Who is calling me? Who is FaceTiming me? Who am I wanting to FaceTime? Who am I texting with? Like, who do I miss a lot? That 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 stuff really kind of hit home. And it was like, made me take a step back and go, damn, like maybe it's time to reevaluate some of these relationships. And I think that's that that was beautiful. And... Some of them were really tough to let go of. Other ones were just like, okay, well, who were we kidding? You know what I mean? Like, good riddance, you know? But it's like 2020 made me realize and made me really appreciate the people that after all of that ended and we could start to see some people and still practice social distancing, but, you know, get outside or, or you know, go be in the same room, but mask up or whatever, however you do it, you know what I mean? Like, it really made me realize uh, the people that I that I wanted to see through all of that and that I couldn't live without. And I'll, I'll forever be grateful for that, you know? I'll forever be grateful for that. It brought a lot of stuff to the forefront that already has been to the forefront, but really, we saw social movement in this country in terms of black people mobilizing 
and really being like, all right, enough is enough is enough is enough is enough is enough is enough. I don't know how many times I have to say it until it sinks in, but holy shit, man. Right in our backyard, right in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, Breonna Taylor happens. That all goes down this year. And, you know, I I think um, obviously I wish it didn't happen. I I wish it didn't have to be here. Um, But on the other hand, like, I'm kind of glad that it did because it really made me realize who amongst us in our own city are are people that I I look at differently now. Like, wow, you really have no compassion for anybody else but your fucking self. And that's, you know, it's like disgusting. Like, get away from me. Um, It really put a divide in people that, that were able to empathize and say, wow, there is some really fucked up shit that's way different from anything that I've ever known and way different from my experience but I understand where these people are coming from now because I've taken the time to, to listen and to, to understand and, and to feel their pain and see it through their eyes. You know, what's sad is that we just went through this entire year and this entire thing and there's people who are even more committed to being the other way and thinking the opposite way and never taking the time to kind of go down that road. And that's sad to me because it's like, dude, if it didn't sink in then, it's ne- you're never going to get it. It never will. And that's sad to me, but it's like, whatever, you know, like move on, you know, like you're dead to us. Like society is better without you and, you know, your racism or making it about, you know, the police lives matter thing. And look, I listen, I got a lot of respect for police officers. I got a lot of respect for the military people. When military and police people, they get in the car, I thank them for their service. And and I think that's an important thing to do. Yeah, it got kind of hairy. Okay, in the summertime here. Um, But, you know, to me, it's like, not all cops are bad. Not all black people are thugs. Not all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you you can make that statement about anything and anybody, you know, and it's true and it applies. But um, it just, it, it made me, it made me kind of turned off when I would hear people talk about, hey, we don't care about anything that's related to the Black Lives Matter thing or Breonna Taylor or like let's not focus on like, you know, the injustice that 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 was done or the fact that this innocent person lost their life. Let's just now make this about an anti-police thing and fuck you. And now we're going to dress this all up as Blue Lives Matter and listen to Fox News and just bang all that shit. You know, it's like, dude, you guys <laughs> You're missing the point. You're missing the point. You're missing the fucking point, man. It's like I'm banging my head against my fucking forehead because it's like you guys are missing the point. And if you went through 2020 and you missed that point, then I, I don't know what the, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't know what to tell you. That's really sad. That's really sad that we could have such a global event take place right here in our own city and yet people on the fringes of these suburbs and people that live downtown you know it's like we think that only these people that have these conservative views or or anti-whatever views are uh you know just people living way out in the country and people living way out and the irony of me saying way out in prospect and that's 
being where I live, but it's like we we think that these people also don't live downtown and and you know have these attitudes, and it's like no 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 they do they do and they work downtown and they hide in plain clothes and in plain sight, and it's not until you're at somebody's house or at, in the gym or um, having a conversation with somebody and they say something that makes you go ooh. You know, I really wish you wouldn't have said that because now I have to cut you off. Now I look at you differently. Now I just lost a lot of respect for you. And, and straight up, I'll, I'll say that to somebody's face and not think twice about it. Like, you know what? I just lost a lot of respect for you. I really did. Um, we always ask people to show us their true colors. And sometimes we're not going to like what we find. You know, that's that's life. That's life. It's like, damn, this is... Now I got to move on without you. But... I'm getting off on a tangent here, and I, I, I just, for all of the reasons that this was tough, if you lost anybody due to COVID, if you lost anybody just due to anything, anything this year, you know, shootings downtown, we, we, I'm pretty sure we set a record year in Louisville for, for shootings downtown, um, and homicides in the city. If you lost anybody to addiction, if you lost anybody to suicide this year, I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, the suicide rates this year, they're sickening. They'll they will put a lump in your throat, man. And it just, it for those people that didn't make it, that's sad. That's very sad, you know? It's like their road ended this year, and, and that makes me emotional to think about, you know? And, like, now we have a commitment to them. Like, we have an obligation to them to keep going, you know what I mean? And so if you lost somebody like that, if you lost somebody to any of those reasons, you have an obligation to them to keep fucking going and to keep pushing forward because now they can't anymore. For whatever reason, they can't. And so keep going in, in, in honor of them, you know what I mean? In memory of them. Like, just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. So... And, and, and you know what? 2020 was great because at some of the lowest points of the year for me, and I'm sure for you as well, you probably thought, this is it, man. I don't know how it's going to get better from here. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go from here, but like, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can pick myself up and dust myself off and bootstrap this shit. But you know what? If you're listening to this, that means you did, and you made it, and it might not have been pretty, but fuck them we ball, baby, because we're still here, and you're still riding. So keep riding. That's good shit. That's real shit. That's real talk. That's real talk. You're doing great, sweetie. You're doing great. Um, couple things, and then I'm going to go ahead and uh, and read some of these because, yeah, as I started to go through some of this old stuff that I had and just kind of like, like I've just been doing a lot of personal reflection, obviously. I mean, I'm just kind of like going off on these tangents, but, you know, that's kind of where I started with allowing me to reintroduce myself was, was a lot of, um, you know, the racial stuff that was going on here over the summer, and that's kind of like right in the heart of it, and obviously with COVID and just like, but... You know, I, 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 this is, this is what, this is crazy. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. This has been one of the best years of my life. It really has. It really has. Because I finally feel like I've reconnected to a purpose and, and to a greater purpose. 
and being in service of others and feeling like I'm, I'm, you know, steadily improving in that and steadily improving in my craft, getting to, getting to do that, but also getting to do it in a way that lets me work on stuff that I love. And when I start to read some of these old writings and play some of these old clips, you'll see, you know, how, how you know, just like how much I do love it because it's just been a gift that I had and a talent that I had at a very young age that I've just worked and nurtured and just tried to perfect as much as I could over the last 28 years, you know what I mean? So it goes really deep for me. And um, I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for 2020, you know? I'm, I'm thankful to still be here. I'm thankful to still have the people in my life that want to be here, you know? That is real talk. I'm also thankful in a kind of a sorrowful way, all right? And so before I get to any of these readings, um, I want to give a shout out to my girlfriend, Maddie, because Maddie just landed her very first big girl job, real world job. She's going to be moving. She lives, I'm not going to say where she lives, but she lives close to me. She lives in the area. And uh, she had just graduated from Florida State University this past year. And she has been kind of like pulling her hair out like, what am I going to do? Because she wanted to get a job at these national parks. That's really what she's wanted to do. And um, she studied, you know, environmental sciences at Florida State and loves wildlife, loves animals, loves being kind of like the nature guy whenever we go hiking and she builds these epic kind of like activities for us to do and she's... She's such a nerd, all right? Just like I'm a nerd about some of this shit. She's such a nerd because she makes uh, itineraries. And the thing about them is they are incredible. Like, they look so well done. And it makes even just like a weekend trip or just like a day trip 10 times better because you get this itinerary from her. And then it's like you're really excited about whatever you guys are going to be doing. And, um, she did it when we went out to Sedona, and, and she's done it for her friends when they went on a trip out to um, out west, and it, it's, it's something that she really enjoys doing, and she's good at, and I'm so proud of her because she landed her first job at a company called Under Canvas, and what they do is they're big on glamping, so like glamour camping, right? For most people, you know, Maddie and I took this trip, and, and we went and camped and we slept on the tent on the floor and we brought like all these supplies in order to boil water that we had from the creek we ate MRE packages basically they were pretty good but like they were still dry food that you poured boiling water into you know what I mean uh (laughs) pooped outside you know (laughs) it's like we were both she was excited to do that. I was kind of like, oh, is this going to suck? And it kind of did. Yeah, you know, it kind of did. But like she wanted the real deal camping experience. Now, a lot of people aren't necessarily like that. We like camping, but we want electricity. We want maybe an iPad. We want to have some air conditioning. You know what I mean? And so these glamping companies will set up shop outside of these national parks. So people that want to go, hang out, do their thing in the park, and then come outside and kind of feel like they're they're getting the camping experience, they're right there by the park, but it's also not backpacks and shitting in the woods, you know? And I think that is kind of, for super outdoorsy people, they don't want to cheat the process, they're like, no, I need to do it, I need to do it, like, 
Bear Grylls style, you know. But then there's other people that you know, maybe, maybe, maybe kind of like me a little bit that that are kind of like you know, I want the glamping lifestyle. You know, yeah, I could do the glamping thing way more often than I could uh, do the rucksack thing. You know what I mean? And um, these companies are 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 really you know being successful because who knew that a bunch of Americans would rather opt for the glamour camping scene more than the camping scene i mean it's crazy you know what i mean but but she just became the guest experience coordinator for under canvas at their location outside of the grand canyon so at the end of march to the end of october she's going to be out in arizona living at the grand canyon and putting together and using these itinerary skills that she has that are incredible. And she's going to be doing that for all of the guests that are coming to stay with this company at the Grand Canyon. I mean, that's pretty fucking cool. And the fact that this is her first job out of college, and when she interviewed, there was two positions. This was like the the higher paying kind of uh, position that they wanted somebody to come into with a little bit of experience. And then there was... Also, a position that was right under this one that didn't require as much experience um, and and certainly shared an overlap in a lot of the responsibilities that this position has and is in charge for. But it was kind of like a, you know, like a diet version of it, if you, if you will. Okay, you, you catch what I'm saying? And so not only, you know, did, did she interview for this one, and they came back and they said, hey, we've got a couple other interviews, a couple other people with some more experience. We're going to see how those goes. But you're going to get one of these jobs no matter what. And so for a week, she was like, I just don't know which one I'm going to get, but I got the, I got a job. I have a job, which is a huge deal. And then um, just within the last couple of days, they came back to her and said, congratulations, we're going to go ahead and give you the guest experience coordinator position, um, the better of the two positions, the higher paying one, the little bit more prestigious one. And she took it, and I cannot be more happy for her. Now, what does that mean for our relationship? Well, you know what? We're, our relationship is in such a good place that we're going to do the long distance thing. And it's kind of great that she's going to go off and do this, which is important to me because I know how much I needed to get out of this area after college and how much I benefited from being out in the Bay Area and kind of like having to figure shit out on my own and living in the real world. Not only is she going to get that opportunity, but I also just, it's important if you really care about somebody, and I, and I do, and I love this girl to death, and I I think we're going to go the distance, you know, I, I, I don't know what it's going to look like, uh, but I think we have certainly the potential to go the distance. And it's really important to me that she go off and do this because I don't ever want to feel like I held her back in any way. And I don't want her to, to one day resent me if she doesn't go and doesn't take advantage of this opportunity. Like I think, that happens in relationships where it's like, you know, I really want you to go, but I also really need you here. Like, we need to focus on my thing. Or like, I guess you get that as 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 you're like, you know, into a marriage and, and maybe have some kids and stuff like that. But usually in relationships, and we've talked about this before, like it, it feels like sometimes one person is sacrificing more often than the other. And a lot of times in America, that's a woman who's sacrificing to become like the, you know, kind of the backbone of the household, take care of the kids, raise kids. She doesn't want kids, and I don't want kids of my own either. So it's perfect. And she's able to have her thing. 
I'm able to be here and focus on my thing and just put my head down and fucking grind for a year. And I think it's it's going to be amazing that we're able to both have our thing and both have each other. And yeah, at a distance, but hey, I got a free place anytime I go out to the Grand Canyon. And uh, I visited there, we visited this year, and it was awesome, and I definitely want to go back and maybe try to hike a little bit further down than, than we got into the Grand Canyon, because it was so steep and so hot, and we made it, like, not very far. Not, we had Nano with us, but, like, also, not very far. But um, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, yeah, it's it's going to suck, the distance thing, but um, our relationship is strong enough to where we can do that, and, and we can make it work. And it's also beautiful because we don't really have to make a final decision on it yet. If it was like, hey, I'm taking this job and I'm leaving and I don't know if I'm coming back or when I'm coming back, that would be a tough thing, you know? That would really be a tough thing. And I'm thankful. I'm just, I'm thankful that we don't have to make that decision yet. And uh, we're going to see how this next year goes. But she's going to be doing her thing at the Grand Canyon and starting her career, which I fully support, and and cannot wait to see where she takes it. And um, I wish her nothing but the best. I mean, that's you know, I'm I'm like I'm I'm your biggest cheerleader. Like I, you're my best friend. You're my biggest cheerleader, and I want to be those same things for you. So that's kind of the big news. Um, we went to Indianapolis this weekend. Just me and her. I took the rental car up there, the loaner, and. Uh, you know, put put a couple hundred miles on it. Nice for what? Um, and we really just wanted to focus and spend the first weekend of the year just on each other and just hanging out. We played some card games. We went to some great breakfasts and dinners, watched some sports and hung out in the hotel room. And that was like, we just, that was cool, man. We really just focused on each other and just kind of like manifested how we want this year to go for us. And it'll be hard. Yeah, that'll be a, a true testament to our relationship. But there's been, I mean, she got COVID and I didn't see her for two and a half weeks, you know? Uh, so that sucked. And there's been times where we've both been on different trips. You know, she was out West with her friends and I was like, that was, that was kind of tough, but like, we can do it. We're going to do it. And, um, I couldn't be happier for her. So, uh, I'll keep you updated on uh, on that. But now I, I want to go ahead and jump into uh, some of these uh, old works. Now this is just, you know, for, for some of you, you might not be interested in this at all. Um, but I did get some people reaching out after I had said, hey, I have these old files. I keep all this old shit from all of the grades and different jobs and stuff and stuff that I've written and stuff that I've you know, some old intern diaries and files and stuff like that. And I had a couple people like, hey, yeah, I I would actually be interested to hear that stuff. Like, I want to hear you then versus you now. And I want to hear like kind of like how much better you've gotten, you know? And and it's like, I have gotten, I've gotten way better. And you're going to hear it. Like on on a, a couple of these clips, you know, some of them are Friday favorites that I was doing with the Louisville Bats. Um, shortened clips. I mean, I got like a 10 segment and really it's two five minute segments from, um, two different players. And so, uh, have a couple of good questions in there and like that, that elicit good responses, some good stories. I've just always been about the stories, man. That's, that's, that's what it is about me. I tell me a good story, gather around it's story time. You know, it's like, 
I love that shit. So that's about 10 minutes. And then I have a 10-minute segment that I did on Richard Sherman after his interview in the NFC Championship game back in 20... It was technically 2014, but it was like the 2013 season, I think. He defends that pass against Michael Crabtree, and Aaron Andrews sticks a camera and a microphone in his face. Literally, he's still out of breath because the play just happened. The game just ended, and they stick a camera and a microphone in his face, and his reaction, because he was so amped up, you know, a lot of people that had no idea who Richard Sherman was. The Legion of Boom was still kind of relatively a new thing in 2013, 2014, right? And we're still finding out about these guys, and they're still building up their profiles, Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman and all those dudes. This was the first time that America was getting to meet Richard Sherman without a helmet on, and he's given this interview, and people kept calling him a thug and talking all this shit, and it was like, this is so misguided, and this is just so typical. And I, I did this you know, 10 minute segment on it. And, uh, so you get to see how I kind of like intro that and, and set that up. And it actually, you know, I I sound very monotone, you know, I, I don't know why, um, you know, now I'm just, I'm much more loose and animated with it. And I feel, I guess I, I just feel way more comfortable being myself back then I would come on and I just sounded a little bit monotone and and I, I I'm like a coach in my head when I'm listening back to some of this stuff I'm just like in the back of my head going you're flat you're flat you're flat you know I'm like god damn it like pick it up man you're flat you're fucking flat out there but uh still good stuff and then I have a show intro from the show that I was doing uh with the team that I built my senior year uh still gives me some juice to this day uh and so i i made that put that together and um i'll play that for you guys but i just i also started going through all these different like writing portfolios and pieces of poetry and little things that i'd written over the years and i just really got a kick out of reading some of this stuff because it's like damn i was so young and yet this is still this is pretty good like you can definitely see that there's like a raw talent there you know what I mean and 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 through years of work and I and I'm far from over I mean that's that's why we start the this year with that song is like I'm far from over you know we're just getting started baby and I hope you feel the same way in your career your grinder your relationships but that's how I feel in mine so I'm gonna kind of bask in that for a little bit you know what I mean and I wanted to go back, and, and I had a, I, I got a big kick out of reading some of this stuff. So uh, if you've made it this far, then uh, I hope you'll enjoy some of this stuff too. But the first one, I'm going to read these first, and then I'll play the clips. This first one is one of the very first pieces of writing that I have saved from my school career. I wrote this in seventh grade, and uh, this was like, I think seventh grade. It might have been sixth grade, right around 2005. And I've always been a North Carolina basketball fan. I really fell in love with the team that won the championship in 0405. So I think that's like that's like my fifth or sixth or maybe that's like my I don't know, seventh grade. I, I, it's somewhere in there. Right? But I wrote this piece, and this is one of the earliest pieces of writing that I have in any portfolio or any folder that I own. It's called The Best College Basketball Team by Ben Tompkins. Of course, Ben Tompkins, you know, I, okay, you nerd. <laughs> It all commenced with Michael Jordan. Then he passed it on to Vince Carter. Now, Felton, May, McCants, Williams, and Manuel have it. 
Roy Williams and the North Carolina Tar Heels have it going in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. When I was young, I went up to Chapel Hill and watched basketball games, football games, baseball games, and all other sports that Tar Heels had. Okay, this is, let me just stop. This is a blatant lie, and I don't know why I lied, but I was, I, I was born in Raleigh, North Carolina. That is fact. That is true. But I only lived there for like a year. And I was like less than a year old. And then around the time that I would, you know, my parents had like been kind of raising me and having the newborn baby and doing that thing in Raleigh, then my parents moved back to Kentucky and my dad took another job and they moved to be closer to family. You know what I mean? So I don't know why I said I used to, I, I really used to like, listen, I've just, I've always been a storyteller. And I used to embellish a little bit more than I should when I was younger. As you know, I'm a fucking kid. You know, like let me be a kid. But I definitely didn't grow up going to these games uh, as an infant, as a one less than a one year old. Okay, so let me just let me just quell that one real real quick. Okay, because <laughs> this next sentence is just like. I treasured going up to watch basketball and baseball especially. Swish and home run were some words I learned quickly. I was only two years old, I say. And that's just not true. I wasn't even two living there. And I, I don't know. I don't know if, if swish and home run were, were uh, some of my first words. But even so, I would not have remembered going up there and, and watching those games as, a, as an infant. Okay, but anyways... Uh, North Carolina has had some excellent talent in the school, ballers that have gone pro, and they've won four national championships. Five now that 2017 happened. Sean May was excellent in the big game versus Illinois. He had two alley-oop slam dunks. Raymond Felden hit his threes and hit other players also. He almost fouled out of the game. He had an excellent way to end his college career. McCants was awesome, and hopefully he'll get drafted to the NBA. Marvin Williams did his job. David Noel was poked in the eye and still played. Now that's dedication. <laughs> Jawad Williams is a team player, not to mention Jackie Manuel. The Tar Heels shut down Augustine. He fouled out of the game. UNC also shut down D. Brown and Luther Head. Let's look at the bracket. The Heels demolished Oakland. They barely got over Villanova. North Carolina gave Wisconsin a brutal beating. They throttled Michigan State, and they thrashed Illinois 75-70 to to win the national championship. The Villanova game was a close one, though. I was on the edge of my seat that game out of all the others besides the national championship. It was nerve-wracking. 66-65. to Just way too close. A one-point game deficit is not a great win, but a win is a win. Hey, check out the statistics. 29 years ago, Sean May's father won the national championship for Indiana with Kent Benson. May's dad had 26 points in the game. Now, Sean May wins for North Carolina with 27 points. Wow, that is a good stat, young Benny T. Sean May had 27 points. Raymond Felton had 13 points. Rashad McCants had 15 points. Jawad Williams had one point. Jackie Manuel had three points. Marvin Williams had 15 points. And David Noel had one point. In the big dance, the Tar Heels were on fire with the threes. They deserve to win. It's horrific that the cream of the crop players are going to go pro and be gone. But game's on. Swish. Raymond Felton. <laughs> this team made me fall in love with college basketball. And I loved some of the Reese Gaines, Louisville teams. I was never a fan of Kentucky basketball as a kid. I never, I never became a fan of Kentucky basketball until John Wall came along and Cal. Like, before that, hell no. 
I was not a fan of Kentucky basketball. And really, I like U of L basketball, but I was I grew up a North Carolina fan. You know, I always had this connection. Like, I was born there in Raleigh, and I just loved the color. I love. I'm listen. Fifty Shades of Blue over here. All right, but like Raymond Felton. I fell in love with that team, and, and Raymond Felton still to this day is my very favorite college basketball player and very favorite basketball player, just period. Like, I, I love LeBron James, but LeBron James takes a number two to uh, Raymond Felton. So that was pretty good. Uh, this is a poem that I wrote. We had to write a poem in seventh grade, and uh, I used to be a baseball junkie. I mean, I still really am, but like as a kid, uh, baseball more than football was my number one sport. Like I wanted to, pl- I wanted to be a baseball player as a kid more than I wanted to be a football player. But um, and I and so I would I would do a lot of writing about baseball and and this is one that I wrote a piece that I wrote called I live for this. I live for this. I live for throwing the batter out at first. I love to turn two for the game winning out. I live for wherever a triple play is being completed. I live for home runs being hit. I live for the sound of the pop of the catcher's glove. The smell of the ballpark is a sweet aroma of cut grass, dirt, sweat, and what's cooking at the stand. I live for the sound of the crack of the bat. I live for the smell of a new bat bag or helmet. I live for the big games and the doubleheaders. I live for getting that big hit when you need it. I love to lay down a fine bunt. It makes you feel like a million bucks. Traveling to play a game is as good as cherry pie. I love to hear the fans cheering. It makes you feel like a good person. I live for the aroma of a victory. I live for this. <laughs> Dude, for some reason, you know, when we were in like middle school and elementary school, your teachers, whenever you would turn one of these projects in, and we all had to submit a portfolio and do the letter to the reviewer thing. But all these pieces, they they like... They had us. Uh, they had requirements for. Okay, you have to use a simile. You have to use a metaphor. You have to have a personification. Like, do you guys remember that kind of stuff? Like, we always used to have to do that. And so I. And it pisses me off because I was. I was. I was good enough as a writer to not have to do that stuff and force it because I would naturally do that kind of stuff in my own work. Just being like, oh, this is how writing is done. And just like instinctively picking up on it. But then you would have these teachers that are like, oh, well, let's make sure everybody has one simile and one metaphor. And so that's why I'm like, uh, you know, it makes me feel like a million bucks or uh, this whatever. uh, uh, Traveling to play a game is as good as cherry pie. It's like, you know, okay, not not a not a very strong line there but then i get strong apocalypse now vibes at that very end i live for the aroma of a victory it's like i love the smell of napalm in the morning you know (laughs) um all right this next one is a poem that i wrote when i was a sophomore at north oldham and um i guess i was just feeling the school spirit i think i turned this in to miss barry and uh, this was uh, something that I wrote for the football team. This is called the Ode to the Mustangs. Fire! This one's this one's legitimately those those first two. It's like, oh, how cute! Like that was good, you know? Like young Ben. It's like, okay, now this one is actually like pretty good. Hail, hail to the Mustangs! For we are the best. We never quit or give up. Unlike all the rest, 
We strap it up and go to work and practice throughout the week because we're working to achieve that glory goal state with a perfect streak. From lifting weights to boot camp and gassers to county fair, we give it our all no matter what because we ain't never scared. From lifting weights to boot camp and gassers to county fair, we give it our all no matter what because we ain't never scared. As the week goes on, the suspense builds up until Friday finally comes. At school, we are serious, firm, and strict because we're focused on what needs to be done. As the final bell rings, we're relieved as we all rush out of class. We all head to the locker room and prepare to whoop some ass. (laughs) I'm sure my sophomore teacher loved that one. Sometimes you can get away with this stuff, you know. We take the field with fury. We take the field with pride. We don't let anyone push us around nor take our eyes off the prize. Like Leonidas and his 300 Spartans, we nonstop relentlessly fight, never showing tire nor weakness nor pain as the game carries into the night. The final seconds count down now, the final whistle blows. We rush the field and cheer for the win, and you're the first of many to know. What you may doubt about us is that we are ready to compete. We're sending a message to those who don't know the North Oldham Mustangs are playing for keeps. <laughs> uh, pretty fire. I got to say, pretty fire. I, I like that one a lot. Um, okay, I have a couple more here. This is, uh, this is kind of lighthearted, this next one. And you can use this. It, there's like one line that's kind of specific to me, but maybe you could take it out and use this and give it to your own mom on her birthday, because uh, one year I wrote this for my mom, I'll read that, and then I have two poems um, that I wrote under the influence, uh, and, you know, and like sometimes when you feel connected and you feel like what you're saying is truly profound, sometimes it can be, sometimes you're also just high, you know what I mean? But these are two examples of me being in an altered state of mind where I just start writing and I just start kind of like flowing what's coming to me. And they, they ended up being like two pretty good ones. Now they're, they are dark. They're certainly dark. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to those. I have two more to end on a positive note. I'll read this Michael Vick thing and then I'll, I'll play these clips for you at the end. But this piece is titled happy birthday, mommy. On this day in history, the world received a gift, a resolute woman whose spirit refused to be dismissed, a smile so contagious, a beauty that naturally bloomed, a soul whose energy could warm even the coldest of cold rooms. She taught me how to hustle. She taught me about true grit. She taught me how to keep fighting when the world told her to quit. It wasn't always easy, as life seldom is, but through the struggle, you showed me how to go about your biz. You bind our family together, you're our gorilla glue, and while we always think it, we might not always say thank you. So this one's for my mother on her blessed, blessed day. I wrote down all these words just so I could say, I love you so much, Mommy. Have a happy birthday. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good, all right? Yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I gave that to her. That was uh, sometime in college, and I put a little... Uh, picture of Snoopy at the top hugging a like a Valentine's Day looking heart you know a big red heart and Snoopy's up there hugging it so that was a good one all right this next one's titled The Wanderer all right 
To whom can we turn when we lose our way? The stranger beside us or the one looking back at us in the mirror? What happens when we no longer recognize who we've become? So busy in the day-to-day that we forget to ask ourselves, who am I? Who have I been? Who do I want to be? Who will be there to pull us back up when we fall, bogged down with expectations and labels that we stumble and lose it all? Sometimes it's best to just pack up and run, if nothing else, to simply see who says stay to the person we've become. We wander aimlessly until we find our individual purpose, but what if we never identify that meaning within our own, strolling along like a blank slate, unfulfilled with accomplishment? Who will guide us when we have reached our breaking point? What does it take for the one in the mirror to become familiar again, building him up and tearing him down to create the perfect man? How many will look at him and ask, who is he? How many people could he possibly be? How many branches to his mysterious tree? <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, obviously I didn't have a lot of direction. I think that's that's between, that's somewhere along those European travels um, before I figured out kind of my route to California and what I was going to do after college. That was, uh, you know, kind of like I was asking those questions, like, who am I? What, where, where am I headed, you know? But that was good. This next one is called Eternal Pessimist. This one's this one's this one's pretty dark, and I feel a little bit differently now. Uh, certainly on this last one, uh, but uh, this one's this one's pretty good. I've been here before. The usual suspect. He comes and goes as he pleases. Each time, returning a little stronger, a little wiser. Time, yeah, it's been creeping in. But I had to check back in. I'd escaped to normalcy for too long. Work, yeah. I'm up for a promotion. Should know something this week. I doubt if I'll ever find what I'm looking for. But I know if I behave myself and I'm a good little boy, the fans going to still come out and see their favorite player. Love? Yeah, right. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, I have found love. All right. I'm capable of love. I love myself. I love my girlfriend. I love my friends. I love my family. Some of them, you know, like... I do have love. I love other people. Um, but yeah, man, I was I was really I was really in a tough place. And uh, you know, I think that feeling of I've been here before. Um, you know, man, anytime I would go for on a trip, I would just kind of eventually fall back into this place at some point where I'm just kind of like thinking and thinking and thinking myself to death, and I'm just like. <laughs> Who am I? You know, like, what am I doing? Like, what is my purpose? Like, why am I here? You know, where am I? Why am I? Like, all those types of questions. And it's like, you know, I'm like, man, things are too normal for for me right now. I need to kind of like go off and come back. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like each time I come back, you know, I, I return a little stronger, a little wiser. Time, yeah, it's been creeping in, you know. Work. Yeah, I'm up for a promotion, but like, who gives a fuck, you know? Love, yeah, right. It's like, wow. That's why that one's called the eternal pessimist because that's, uh, yeah. All right, let's pick it back up a little bit because those 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 two are kind of like, you know, they're out there a little bit. They're they're down a little bit, you know what I mean? So let's pick it back up. This one's called Good Fridays. This is uh, used to do four bar Fridays. Um, 
and I really enjoyed doing it a lot. I, I mean, I, I like rapping, and I like writing poetry, and I like writing. And this is one of the better ones that I did, but uh, I, I, I really, really like this one. This one's called Good Fridays. Grinding for another day, shining like a diamond, lining up out wide, about to plunder Revis Island. Out in San Jose, catch me posted up on Ryland, changing up my ways, but you know the kid be wildin'. Packed a couple bags, I forced gumped up out the city. Switched the style up, man, that's word to fucking 50. Married to the game, fuck the judge and the committee. Al Capone grinding, yeah, we bout that nitty gritty. See, people say they love you, but they say too many things. Phil Jackson, the emotions, wearing way too many rings. They love to see you down and out. They waiting on the king to fall from grace, then laugh and point. That's when it really stings. But I'm going to let it slide because I don't need your validation. Your opinion doesn't matter, dog. It's only animation. See me, I spit straight facts. I be the voice and narration for people on the way, the millennial generation. So if you see me in the streets, man, I ain't got a minute. Your bullshit getting old and I done reach my fucking limit. I'm standing in the huddle with no fakes, tricks, or gimmicks because I'm the fucking realist and y'all can only try and mimic. Big J. Cole vibes on that last one. So if you see me in the streets, man, I ain't got a minute, you know. Uh, Hey, I like that one. Uh, Al Capone grinding. I was, you know, working for this wine and liquor distributor, so I'm slinging these bottles, and I literally was like, I'm Al Capone, baby, you know. I just, I got I got that liquor, what you need, you know. And the street that I lived on in San Jose was, uh, like, Ryland Park, you know. So it was like, that's why, you, I'm, you know, posted up on Ryland. You know the kid be wildin'. That, that one's, uh, I like that one a lot. Um, this is, <laughs> so for the, a long time ago I ran for Mr. UK and entered into this pageant, ran as an independent, and I was actually representing the radio station. I would have been repping ATO, who didn't even have anybody from ATO in Mr. UK, but I was repping myself as an independent, which worked out. You know, worked out. And for my talent portion, I wrote this poem called B. And B has been one of the strongest words in, I think, anybody's vocabulary. It's just this really strong word to me. Just B, B, B. And um, I wrote this poem. Um, I wanted to have this as my talent portion. Unfortunately, I didn't get to move on to the next kind of round in which we would have done the talents. And so I was prepared to stand up in front of the crowd on the stage and rip this poem, and it would have been fucking dope. I didn't get to do that, but now I get to. All right? So this one's called B. B. B E. Two little letters that combine for so many possibilities all of which at our fingertips and actions that we take as we live on the daily grind, be. Be. Be everything you said you one day would, everything you've always wished you could, and everything you know you truly should be. Be free of your past. Respect your experiences, but know you ultimately hold the keys. No matter what road you take, whose hand you shake, or whose heart you break, You're not making actions if you're not making mistakes, so just be. Be transcendent in your relationships. Be the you you desire to be, the you you aspire to be, and the you you're required to be. Be the protector for the small and the meek, the one the people can rely on, the one that stands up to the bully because after all, he's not that big. He's just a punk B. Be vigorous in the pursuit of your goals. 
Define your objectives and execute your plan of attack. Be ruthless in your grind, but live your life in a way that elevates others. Be supportive of your peers, all of your sisters, and all of your brothers. When all is said and done, more often than not, more is said than done. So do whatever it takes to go that extra mile and just be. Be the outlier, the exception, the one in a thousand anomaly. Hardships prepare ordinary people for extraordinary destinies. Tell yourself the only person that can outwork me is me. Have the courage to know your heart is free. The voice to share and say, listen to me. And the awareness to do it all polite and candidly. Live your life through the windshield, not the rear view. Because through that old lens, you know the vision is skewed. The person in that mirror, that's just the old you. You've come a long way. You did it, boo. So hold your head up high, keep your eyes on the prize, and just be. It's not easy to stand up here under these lights, but a bunch of I dids is a hell of a lot better than a bunch of I mights. They say can't never could and can't never will. So get rid of that word. It's used by the unskilled. We sell ourselves short, too scared to believe. We have the power to make an impact, a legacy to leave. It's up to you to live a life that exceeds, but you'll never do any of it if you won't just be. Fire. Straight fire. And it is so motivational. And, you know, I'm sitting here as a senior in college writing this, and that's truly, that this thing stands up and, and will withstand the test of time because it's real. And a lot of the stuff when I'm going through, and that's why it's fun for me to go back and read, you know, The Wanderer and Eternal Pessimist, because then I read B, and it's like, damn, like, I figured some of that stuff out. I didn't have all of it figured out, but I figured a lot of that stuff out, and I feel really good about that. And I've even continued, you know, my <laughs> my search for answers and these big, profound things that I will one day continue to write poetry about and I hope that you'll listen uh, because it's going to be fire so that's fun I, I I want to last thing that I want to read is a very old article that I wrote for the high school newspaper at North Oldham my senior year you guys got to understand Michael Vick was one of my favorite players he was electric he was dynamic I had never seen anything like him and watching him play football especially at a time in middle school I was a quarterback you know he used to play a little quarterback back in the day you know and watching him I was just mesmerized I had never seen anything like it and he quickly became one of my favorite football players and watching him go down in the dog fighting thing you know, that's like 2007, that's right in the midst of my parents kind of going through their divorce and all these, I've talked about this before on another one, um, just kind of this era of fraud that we went through where I felt defrauded by, you know, uh, people in my family and people like Lance Armstrong and people like Michael Vick, people like Bernie Madoff, like all this shit is going on and it's just like, what's real? What, what can I believe in anymore? And I really, really struggled with Michael Vick going down. And um, I don't know, man. That was, just, that was just really tough. That was just really tough. And I don't think that he really got a fair shake uh, when all that shit went down. And I could go into different reasons why I think that. You might disagree. 
and you're entitled to your opinion. But I just, I have a lot of respect for Michael Vick. And uh, in 2011, he's with the Eagles. He's getting a second chance. And I wrote this for our school newspaper. 33765-183. A simple set of numbers that mean nothing to most people. However, these numbers mean more than what meets the eye when they are assigned to you. A lifestyle, an identity. These words sum up the significance of an inmate number. To Michael Vick, it was a chapter in his life. Now, only less than two years after spending 19 months in federal prison at U.S. Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Texas, the story of Michael Vick's epic pivot from inmate 33765-183 to Philadelphia Eagles superstar continues to get better and better. The great thing about sports aside from the camaraderie and life lessons they teach you, are the themes incorporated within the sports themselves. What's the theme been for Michael Vick since his release? Try a second chance. It's pretty hard to feel the weight of the world and continue to stay on your grind and achieve greatness. How about a wake-up call? Vick has not only made his apologies for his dogfighting involvement and made strides to better himself as a person, but also he's currently working with the Humane Society talking about his poor decisions and setting an example for the adolescent lives he's touching. Try redemption. The eight-year veteran has not only brought a surge of energy to his teammates around them and earned the Eagles a seat in the playoffs, but also is having the best season of his career. Not only has Vic been voted to the 2011 National Football League Pro Bowl this year, He's also the league's top candidate for the Most Valuable Player Award. His transition from his poor decisions back into the NFL has been as smooth as the flawless spiral he flicks to Deshaun Jackson on Sundays. Day in and day out, Vic proves to himself and everyone else that he can handle the pressure of not only an NFL quarterback, but also a man under extreme scrutiny. The world knows all the bad things Vic has done, yet he's still alive, admired, still able to make a living and play the game that he loves. But he tells himself that he's one misstep away from losing it all. Quote, every day is a challenge, Vic said in an interview with Sports Illustrated, still, right now. And it'll probably be that way the next year and the year after that. So nothing's going to change. That means I've got to change, end quote. Michael is doing the most to remove the bad taste he left in our mouths when he was incarcerated in 2007. Most people say that Michael should have been banned from the NFL and not reinstated. Some might even say he should have been left to rot in prison and never been let out. Yet those people fail to see that people make mistakes, and the way that you react to the implications of your actions is a way to measure a man. These people also fail to realize that like any released criminal, Vic has the right to get a job. The Eagles gave him one, and every Sunday is a testament as to why he should keep that job. After all, it isn't his fault that he isn't a banker or a doctor. Football is his profession, and he is certainly qualified. So what is the Michael Vick story? How he was scrutinized for giving the middle fingers to the fans in Minnesota? The tricked-out water bottle at the Miami International Airport? His involvement with an illegal dogfighting ring? How he spent 19 months in federal prison and two on house arrest? How he filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy two years ago? Or is it how he was the first black quarterback to be selected first pick overall in an NFL draft? The man who overcame adversity and became a better person. A man who went to hell and back and is stronger now as he continues on his journey back to the top. An electric player whose leadership and strength have lifted a lacking Philadelphia team to the playoffs. 
a man who has become a pro bowler and league MVP at the hardest point in his career. You be the judge. (laughs) The return of Michael Vick. Yeah, I took that one really tough, man. And what was crazy was that year, um, you know, it's like my freshman year of high school, uh, my mom had gotten me a Michael Vick jersey. It was the only thing that I wanted for Christmas. And she was like, what should I do? Like, she told me later, she got the jersey, and then, you know, years later, she's like, I didn't know if I should give it to you or not. And I know how badly you wanted it. And I was seriously considering giving it back and maybe just getting you something else. But I'm so glad that she did get me that jersey because I do love Michael Vick. And it makes me very happy to see him on Fox NFL's kickoff on Sundays. And he comes on the herd a lot. And I just, you know, look, look, people make mistakes. The man was humbled. He served his time. And the same people that would probably sit here and say, yeah, but he killed dogs. And yeah, but he did all this shit. You know, look, yeah, I'm not going to excuse that. That's fucked up. That's bad. Okay, there, there is no, you know, well, guy, no, that's, that's pretty fucked up. But I will say this, um, I bet those people don't know everything that he's done since being released from prison and all of the groups that he speaks on behalf of, um, because he's a changed man. I mean, I mean, he really is, you know, and I think what you also failed, what a lot of people failed to understand at the time was just the culture that he was coming from growing up in Virginia and everything that, you know, kind of where he came from. Dogfighting was a totally normal thing, and I'm not saying that it it's a normal thing and it's cool and, like, it's it's bad, okay? It's very bad, and I'm definitely anti-dogfighting, but when you grow up around something and it's normalized to you and you grow up seeing, you know, guys in the neighborhood and, and like, you know, brothers or uncles or dads, dad figures, whoever, and they're doing this thing, it's like, you grew up around it, so it, it, you're just desensitized to it, you know? I mean, when you hear people talk about dog-eat-dog environments, that's what he came from. And eventually, you know, I, I think there's still, <laughs> it's arguable how much, to, to the extent of which he knew, I know it's going on on his properties, but, you know, uh, I don't know how many times he actually pulled the trigger, and some people say, well, that doesn't matter at all. He should have known. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You can't just say, oh, I didn't know what was going on and own the house and just let a bunch of people do whatever the fuck they want. Sure, there's got to be accountability to that. But, you know, the media made it out like he was killing golden retrievers, you know, like physically strangling golden retrievers. It's like, come on, man. I, I, I think... um I think he kind of got an unfair shake. I do. I do. You know, I, I, I honestly do. And look, in life, you make mistakes, you own up to them, you, you pay the fine, you do the time, you do whatever the fuck you got to do, and he did that. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I still admire Michael Vick. Um, if nothing else more now now than I did uh, previously, you know what I mean, Be, for, for coming out. Of uh, of jail and kind of bouncing back and having the seasons that he did. I mean, he was out of the game for you know a couple years, and just fucking just doing push-ups and yard workouts. You know what I mean? Like, and didn't 
yeah, maybe lost a step. Maybe some of that was age, but I mean, look, he still had some dynamic years. And if the Eagles, as much as I loved Chip Kelly at Oregon and those teams, dude, Chip Kelly was a shitty head coach. And man, he just, you never know. You never know what Michael Vick could have done if utilized in a different way. And <laughs> I love that guy. Okay, I want to uh, play these last clips and uh, then then, then I'm getting out of here. Then I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. But here is the first one. This is a intro that I made. Um, you know, I would do different intros for the show, but this one was one that I really liked. And I had taken all these different little clips of UK sports because it was a UK student station. So we were doing the UK sports show as students. And it was really cool. But um, this was one of the intros that we did on a Sunday. Patrick Cole, play fake, throws into the middle. Caught by Timmons at the five, breaks the tackle, touchdown! Kentucky! For the final four, Harrison, that shot's the goal! He made it! Oh, LeBert was right in his face! Diving kick by Napper, over to Thomason, winner! The pitch, he swings, high drive, right field, Ritzenheimer's gonna watch it, Kentucky leads 3-2! A no-doubter on pitch number one for A.J. Reed. What's happening? It's good to have you with us on another Sunday morning. This is Blue and White Sports Report on 88.1 WRFL. As always, I'm your man Ben Tompkins, joined alongside my man Nick Jordan. And we got our man Kyle O'Daniel running the boards. We've got a packed show today. We've got men's basketball. we got audio from Cal. <laughs> flat. Just flat. I just always feel like I'm flat when I'm listening to some of this old shit. But, dude, I don't know. Something about... When you hear the announcer and the excitement and his voice getting louder watching a live sport and you hear the crowd and it, you throw some rap in the background like, stay scheming. Ah, that, that shit just gives me just life, man. Energy. Like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing bench press reps right now with my hands. I don't even know why, but I just love it, you know. I just love it. All right, this next one is it's about 10 minutes long. Uh, and there's a couple of really good uh, stories in here, but these were, I, I had created this segment that I would do where I would grab a Louisville Bats baseball player, and I was an intern for the team, and I called them Friday favorites, and I would sit down with one of these guys in the basement and just start asking them a bunch of questions. So these are, you know, a couple questions, a couple good stories. Um, the uh, the quote that uh, Thomas Neal gives is one of the most one of the things that I live my life by and and when he told me this it was just like a light bulb went off I was like holy shit that's good shit that's real talk right there uh Thomas is now actually he was with the he was coaching with the Giants organization and it looks like he might not be with them anymore I think he's like the head coach of maybe uh his daughter or son's AAU teams. I don't know. I saw something about 16 and under and 14 and under. And so I think he's coaching uh, baseball or softball at, at some kind of a level. Uh, and then Jason Bourgeois, who's the second interview, he is a hitting coach with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So uh, both guys, you know, kind of 
journeyman in the uh, MLB and the minor leagues, and and eventually at some point you just move on to other stuff. And luckily they were both able to move into the pros and coach, and so that's that's really cool. But uh, yeah, these were two of the better ones that I did. This is uh, Friday favorites. Cause it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. going on Louisville? It's time for another edition of Friday Favorites. As always, I'm your man Ben Tompkins at BennyTomp18 on Twitter. And today, joining me is a guy that broke onto the scene when he was drafted in 05. He's won a championship literally everywhere he's been. You know him as T-Daddy Neal on Twitter, but around here it's just Thomas. Brother, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good, man. Good, good. So this is just something I like to do on a Friday, and hopefully our listeners and our people on our social media stuff, they listen to these and they get a kick out of these, and we give them a laugh at the end of the day. Cool? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. So I like to do story time. This is how I start out. You've been doing this since 05. I'm sure along the way you've got some glory stories that you get a laugh out of passing along. Maybe a quirky minor league story, a night out with a team, maybe just a night out with your boys. Tell me your favorite. Oh, I think one of my favorites would be the day I got called up to the big leagues for the first time. You know, actually, it's story time, so I get to tell a story. But uh, the first couple days, there was two straight days where I didn't play. And I was trying to figure out why I wasn't playing. And our team was, at the time, competing to try to win uh, the division to get into the playoffs. And I wasn't playing. I was like, just kind of flustered, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, the second game, we went back to Richmond, which was against my old team, the San Francisco Giants organization. And we finally, uh, we won the game that night. So we were popping, you know, popping bottles, celebrating the champagne. And then the manager calls me into the office and he was like, you know, I know you haven't been playing the last couple days. I know it's been frustrating for you, but uh, have you ever been to Texas? And I was like, no, I've never been to Texas. And he looks at me, he's like, well, you know, congratulations, you're going up to the big leagues. And that was probably one of the most uh, proudest moments uh, that I've had as a professional and in life, you know, because of all the hard work that I put in. But to be able to win, to clinch the division against my former team, and then get called up playing against my former team. It was pretty sweet. So you're standing there just drenched in champagne, and your coach is telling you, congratulations, man, you're going to the bigs? Yeah, that's how exactly how it went. I can't even imagine. It must have been a great feeling. Yeah, it was awesome. How familiar are you with the movie Major League? You've seen it? Oh, have I seen it? Just making sure. Yeah. So would I be totally crazy if I said that Pedro Serrano and Felix Perez might be the same dude? (laughs) (laughs) They probably are pretty similar. (laughs) They both love their bats. I mean, they both probably walk around with their bats all the time. I know uh, Felix has own his special place in the corner of the dugout where he puts <laughs> his bats. So he definitely, uh, they're definitely similar. I'm surprised he hasn't brought a chicken in yet. If you if you had to name his pregame ritual, what would you call it? And if you've never been to a bats game, every night our right fielder Felix Perez he takes his bat and he sprints out the center field right before the game. He takes some swings and he just kind of throws some grass in the air. He does some stuff. But if you had to name that, what would you name it? Showtime. <laughs> I feel it, man. <laughs> and lastly, give me your favorite quote or piece of advice that someone's passed along to you that still sticks with you to this day. 
it was something that uh, David Justice actually told me. He told me to remember it. He was like, there's one third of people in this world that are going to love you no matter what you do. Like, no matter you can get arrested, whatever, they're going to love you. There's going to be another third of people who hate you no matter what you do in this world. You could donate $5 million to their favorite charity, and they're still going to find a reason to not like you. He said, but the other third of people, they're on the fence. And the way you treat people and the way you go about your business is going to determine whether two-thirds of people like you or two-thirds of people hate you. Wow. Dude, that's gold right there. That's radio gold right there. Yeah, and I mean, that that's really stuck with me from a baseball sense, not trying to worry about, you know, pleasing everybody. And from the, the standpoint off the field, too, like treating people with respect, you know, you try to sign as many autographs you can. Like, obviously, you can't do it all the time. But right. just uh, I, I, I'm just a big believer. The way you treat somebody that's in a lesser position than you is really going to show your true character. And I really take a lot of pride in that. Couldn't agree more, man. Well, Thomas, thanks for sitting down with us, man. I hope you had a good time. Continued success in all that you do. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Louisville, we'll be back next week. If you've got a player that you want to see one of these done with, just tweet me at BennyTomp18, and we'll knock it out for you. From the heart of beautiful downtown Louisville and Louisville Slugger Field, I'm Ben Tompkins. You stick to the script, baby. Because it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. What's going on, Derby City? Hope you had a great week. It's Friday Favorites coming at you from Louisville Slugger Field. As always, I'm your man Ben Tompkins, at BennyTomp18 on Twitter. And today we welcome back a familiar face to Friday Faves. He leads the team in hits, and besides his Pepsi Vision photo, I've never seen him without a smile on his face. <laughs> Our leadoff man and center fielder, Jason Bourgeois. Jason, how you feeling today, man? Man, Ben, I'm feeling good. You know, we just got off of um, a little losing streak here last night. Uh, looking to kind of turn it around and get on our streak of our own. And we want to see you do that. Yes, sir. Well, brother, thanks for sitting down and hanging out with us, man. This is your second time around the horn, so you know the drill. I've got questions, you've got answers, and the people want to hear them. You ready to jump in? Let's do it. All right, so throughout the year, and throughout the summer, I should say, every one of these segments has always begun with story time. Now, because this is your second time around, I'll ask for a story, but in a different way. You've been playing ball all your life. You've always kept pushing, and hopefully not anytime soon, but at some point there will come a day where it'll be time to hang up the spikes. When you look back on all the memories, throughout all the games, all the homestands, all the away road trips, take our listeners back to the moment that you thought to yourself, wow, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is why I play the game of baseball. I would say it would have to be my, my first call-up. I used to have a King Griffey Jr. poster on my wall. And I get up to the big leagues in 2008 with the White Sox. I sit on the bench, and look who's coming off the field, King Griffey Jr. And I'm like, frozen, I can't even. I got hair just raising from my arms. And he starts cracking on me right when he sees me. <laughs> Straight talking about me, man. All I could do is just laugh, take it in stride. But, um, you know, we play this game to get to the big leagues. There's no doubt about that. I'm, I'm blessed enough to be still doing it. I'm here in AAA, and, you know, I hope to get up there pretty soon. But, you know, moments like that um, just help me to just keep on going. What's your favorite locker room prank you've ever been a part of or ever seen? Well, I'll keep it PG. But uh, <laughs> probably the frozen uniform trick. Um, you know, sometimes guys try to get 
each other with red hot and, and your socks are like sliders. But Oof. for me, you know, it's the old freeze your spikes, freeze your T-shirt, freeze your, your, your uniform on, put it in the freezer. When you're looking for us to go out, you have to go and thaw it out and shake it out, man. That's, <laughs> that's an all-time classic in the clubhouse for me. I always get a good laugh out of that one. And lastly, if you could give advice to all the young people out there grinding, the newcomers on the way in pursuit of their career and happiness, what would you tell them? You know, that old cliche, believe. Never stop believing. You hear that growing up all the time. And yeah, you know, I believe so. I believe so. But when the chips are down and nobody's really giving you a chance and, you know, you really believe in yourself, just keep going. You know, it's... It's crazy. I come out to that song, keep on pushing. But man, when I need it the most, it always hits me and always reminds me to keep going. Um, just never give up. Always believe. You know, I, I come from right in the city of Houston, Texas. Um, not a lot of professional athletes. You know, where I'm in my neighborhood, where I grew up from. But I never did did not think I was going to be a major league baseball player. It's something that I always believed. Um, I got the opportunity, and I try to take advantage of it. I don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. <laughs> That's another thing, too. You know, you always believe, but once you get it, don't take it for granted because it can be easily taken away. Well, Jason, as always, man, thanks for chopping it up with us. We always love having you on, and we wish you continued success in all you do, brother. Sure, appreciate it, Ben. Louisville, I'll be back next week. If you've got a player or somebody you want to see one of these done with, just hit me on Twitter, at BennyTomp18, and we'll get it done. From the heart of beautiful downtown Louisville and Louisville Slugger Field, I'm Ben Tompkins. You stick to the script, baby. Okay, yeah, first of all, I have no idea what I was doing there at the ends when I'm like, you stick to the script, baby. Like, that's so rehearsed and so douchey, I think. I hate that. I kind of hate that part, you know, but whatever. I did that. That, that happened. Um, but as you can hear... These were fun. These were light interviews, and most of those interviews, I mean, each one of each one of them were about they were about ten to twelve minutes long, and there were a couple guys that ended up, you know, we I had I had a couple of them that were like twenty minutes long, and those were really good. But it was just something that the guys were having fun with, and then I brought this Xbox 360 down, and uh, somebody was like, "Hey, why don't you play?" You know, one of these guys is talking shit talking to me reckless as fuck like he was gonna beat me in NCAA football 14 I'm like oh hell no I need to I need to I need to I need to let these boys know one time so then they had asked me to play college football with them a couple times and then I think that's 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 why uh my boss at the time was kind of like okay you can do the interviews but like you're not on the team you know what I mean and I was like look if these guys fuck with me why you mad? Why you mad? <laughs> and I think he was just kind of the, the 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 nerd pencil pusher guy that was just doing stats and I I don't I don't know, man, but I think he was I think he was a little bit envious of that and uh yeah, not a big fan of me. Um this last one is a file that I did at uh when I was interning with ESPN 1300, the radio um Lexington affiliate there. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I had access to the studio. This is actually earlier than, than all of this stuff. This is my, one of the earliest files that I, that I was able to find. And, um, I, I would do these segments called the intern diaries and, you know, I got the chance to, to go down there and kind of cut my teeth a little bit and, 
you know, the audio sounds kind of distorted at times. It's, uh, you know, I used to play with the audio a little bit more and, and try to make certain things sound better. But now I just, you know, I don't, I don't touch anything with the audio. I give you guys the raw audio and I don't run it through anything. And, um, you know, I just, cause it's real talk, you know, that's that I'm unfiltered, you know, I live my life unfiltered. So that's exactly how I'm going to give you, you know, these, uh, this audio when I'm done with it, it's like, no, I just, you know, cut it up a little bit, uh, but don't, don't alter anything in the voice. And I think here you can, you can kind of hear where it, where it picks up and the audio's it's not, it's not great. It's not great. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but you know, being, a sophomore, you know, I think this was my sophomore year of college. Might have been my junior year. Might have been my junior year. Um, but uh, anyways, this was uh, this was a segment that I did on uh, Richard Sherman and the interview that he gave with Aaron Andrews right after breaking up the pass in the NFC Championship game. Ben Tompkins coming through your speaker. Benny Tomp 18 coming for your Twitter follow. This is a little something I like to do. I call these the intern diaries. Your boy's back in studio and got some things that I'd like to add some perspective on. Shed some light on, if you will. So with that being said, why don't you sit back, relax, and let old Benny Tomp take you to school. So last night, my brother and I, my brother comes over a lot. He's a freshman at UK. And he comes over. And we're both, I wouldn't say we're both Seahawks fans by any means. We're, we're both Bears fans. We rep Chicago. But both of us like Pete Carroll. Both of us like Russell Wilson. And both of us have been intrigued by the Seahawks play this year. So naturally, he's got a couple friends over at the apartment. And we're talking. And he asked me, hey, what did you think of the Richard Sherman interview? And I said, you know what? I've got a couple of things I'd like to say about the Richard Sherman interview. So I've got a couple takeaways I wanted to add some perspective on. So why don't you turn that thing down? I'm about to issue my statement. Now, if you know me, you know I'm a gentleman that likes to place his wagers. Be sure to watch for Benny's picks next college football season. But with that being said, I'd be willing to bet my portfolio that the people saying some of the most extreme things on social media have no prior knowledge to anything Richard Sherman has come from, dealt with, or been through. Some didn't even know who he was. Have some of these people even seen Richard Sherman outside of a football helmet? I mean, half the people that are saying, oh, he's this and that and passing judgment on the guy, they've never even seen him in person. That was probably the first interview that a lot of people a lot of people had seen. And that's sad. It's sad because it shows we're so quick to judge a book by its cover. But uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. I just hope that old Phil Roberts over from Duck Dynasty wasn't watching and somebody doesn't go stick a microphone in his face. I, I don't think A&E can handle any more lawsuits. So for the racists and the uneducated, pay attention and try to at least sound a little knowledgeable when you take shots at a man that you, you, you're labeling as a thug. You tag Richard Sherman as what you believe to be a thug based on common stereotypes and misperceptions and honestly, a pure lack of education. You see a man that's accomplishing things that you'll never be able to. You see a man that you don't like for one reason or another and you see him achieving his goal and you despise him for it. But hey, that's just emotion, right? I mean, Sherman expresses the confidence he holds in himself and people are going to slap him down for it? 
We preach to the youth, shoot for the stars. Don't stop until you're at the top. Be successful. And when you do it, you get absolutely sucker punched. Hey, listen, if you outwork every single person and you're the best at what you do, don't shy away from it. Say it. Say it. Once people hit a certain status, envy causes us to lash out and attempt to discredit their achievements. But I've got news for you. You're the one that said, go be this. Don't stop till you're here. Well, now that he is here, you're telling him, yo, he's this. Or, oh, you can't do it like that. Why don't you pump the brakes? You know, you know, it's ironic, really. Most of the people that are trying to defend their convictions and branding of Sherman as a hood rat or thug or whatever else you people may want to call him, your level of intelligence is nowhere near his. Not even in the same ballpark. And you ain't even know it. You owe E-N-O. How about let's start with the fact that in his high school, Dominguez High School in Compton, California, in addition to being an all-star athlete in two sports, football and track, Sherman earned a 4.2 GPA and graduated second in his class. Or how about the fact that as tweeted by Scott Enert, a former USC at Pac-12 football reporter and host of the Seahawks 12th Man podcast for sports radio KJR 950 AM in Seattle, Sherman posted a 1,400 out of 1,600 on his SAT and held a 3.9 while starring as a D1 athlete in college. Hey, but you know what? Never mind the fact that it was Stanford. Or the fact that as Jason McIntyre, the big lead, reported, Sherman has started and is actively pursuing his master's degree in communications. Or that he's a regular contributor for Peter King's Sports Illustrated website, The Monday Morning Quarterback. No, no, no. Let's speak from timeless prejudices and judge a book by its cover. Let's allow our deepest insecurities to surface and speak based on fear and ignorance. Like Richard Sherman said in a CNN interview the other day, what you saw from him after that game, that's just his emotions getting the best of him. But what you see on Twitter, what people say, people's reactions, you can't fake that. You can't fake that. Colin Coward talks about it all the time. I don't care about actions. Actions can be faked. Reactions? (laughs) No, no, no. Those ones can't be faked. So when you see something on TV and you go to your social media account and you want to voice your opinion, your reaction, that's the real you. That's a window into you. Opinions are projections of the self. Tell him, Sherm. It's kind of sad that the, the way the world reacted. You know, I can't say the world. I don't want to generalize people like that because there are a lot of great people who didn't react that way. But for the people who did react that way and throw the racial slurs and things like that out there, it was really, it was really sad, especially that close to Martin Luther King Day. You're, judging, you're not judging a guy. I'm not, I'm not out there beating on people or committing crimes or getting arrested or, or doing anything. I'm playing a football game at a high level, and I got excited. But... What I did was within the lines of a football field. What they did was an actual reality. They showed their true character. That, that was, those were real comments, not in a moment, not in a, you know, they had time to think about it. They were sitting at a computer, and they expressed themselves in a true way, and I thought society had moved past that. But beyond the external feature barrier, let's examine your argument at the individual level. Uh, you can't say you're the best. Why the hell not? Will we condemn Steve Jobs if he had said, hey, I'm the best innovator of technology? No. What if Warren Buffett was to say, I'm a financial guru? Would we be upset? I don't think so. Or although it would be unlike his personality, 
Imagine if Peyton Manning said, yeah, I am the best quarterback in the league. Would people argue with him? I'll never understand why some people raise an issue when a top performer in his field or industry tells others to take notes. Sherman's stats make his bite equally as lethal as his bark. He's got the numbers to justify his self-established role as the best cornerback in the league. And as Michael Smith and Jamel Hill would say, those numbers never lie. Sherman was targeted only 58 times during this past regular season. With his league-leading eight interceptions, Sherman's 13.8 percentage interception rate was 4.4% better than the second best. His eight interceptions also tied his 2012 campaign, a season in which he was targeted 28 additional times. Huh. So he's doing more with less. Well, no, not well. He's doing well, yes. But there is no well. There are no buts. If you're the best at something and your numbers back that up, Hop off, baby. When a guy walks into the league and earns first team all pro twice in his first three seasons, ties for second most interceptions in his second year in the league, and is leading the league by his junior season, isn't he justified to speak similarly to Jerry Maguire's animated client, Rod Tidwell? I know you remember Rod Tidwell. I'm a son devil, baby. You know Rod Tidwell. But people want him to adhere to how they think he should act. Richard Sherman's response didn't fit the criteria of people who hold others to unrealistic or racially coded standards. Conservative patriarch guy thinks he's a disgrace to the game, and pom-pom-waving Michael Crabtree fans wish harm upon him. To the anti-Sherman demographic, what you're telling me is that if you're in Sherman's cleats, and you make the biggest play of the game in the biggest game the season has yielded, in an emotional rivalry with a history of animosity between you and your opponent, the guy that you've been face guarding all night, probably talking a little smack to, you get a microphone shoved in your face 30 seconds after that passionate win. What are you going to say? Are you going to be calm and collected? Are you going to be Mr. Joe Cool? No, of course not. You're going to be amped up. You're going to be fired up. That's what happens. Football is a passionate sport. That's the dialogue he's supposed to be having with a teammate that runs up to congratulate him or a coach that tries not to look like a goon as he tries to celebrate with his players. When Sherman can't even catch a breath and he's already having reporters burst his bubble, what do you want from the guy? He's obviously going to be amped up. If you stick your hand in the flame, you're going to get burned. The other thing you have to realize is that talking, that smack talk, that interaction, that constant competition, that's what fuels Sherman's fire. David Shaw, the head coach at Stanford University, acknowledges the fact that Sherman likes to chirp and that's just how he was wired. He was on Mike and Mike the other day, and he said people have to realize that this is just the kind of person he is. This is the kind of player he is. And also, there's a lot more players in the NFL that are the exact same way. The one thing that I know about Richard also, uh, Richard doesn't start fights. You know, Richard doesn't pick fights. Uh, now, Richard will react. You know, if a gauntlet is thrown down, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter where it is, if you throw the gauntlet down, Richard Sherman's going to give you everything he's got. But the thing with Richard, uh, you have to start from the beginning, just like you guys are, and think about what it takes to get from Compton to Stanford to being the number one cornerback in the NFL. I and mean, what it takes to get to that from where he started. And it takes drive, it takes passion. It takes being smart. It takes being tough. It takes being a great decision maker. Uh, sometimes a guy with that kind.
kind of ability and that kind of energy from that kind of a background, it's hard to get the same. You know, as a coach, you have to get that great player to play great. And without that edge, without that energy, without that individual competitiveness that it takes to play corner. And don't forget now, Rich is not the only corner in the league that talks. Rich is not the only corner in the league that, that thinks he's the best corner in the league. You know, as soon as Richard said that he's the best corner in the league, there's about 20 guys in the league that said, hey, I'm better than he is. You know, that's, that's, just, that's playing corner in the NFL. That, there's, not a, there's no issue with that at all. So say what you want about Richard Sherman. Label a man you know nothing about and try to argue your opinion. It's like the wise man once said, people think they know, but they don't have a clue. I'm Ben Tompkins. Catch up with me on Twitter at BennyTomp18, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for another edition of the Intern Diaries here on ESPN Sports Radio 1300. (laughs) Definitely have gotten better over the years, I must say. Definitely have gotten a lot better. But it's fun to listen back to that and just kind of just appreciate him for... I don't know, man. Just starting out, you know what I mean. Just, just and looking back on all this stuff, the writings and these files, and just being like, man, because it, it makes you appreciate how far you've come. You know what I mean? It makes me appreciate how far I've come. I will say this: from day one, always had impeccable taste in music. Always the show intros, the fucking underneath music, just always banger after banger. And if you enjoy the music, I make a running playlist and I update it every week with the show intros that I use on this show. It's on Apple Music and it's on Spotify as well. Uh, So whatever you listen to music on, it's there for you. Real Talk with Ben Tompkins and you'll see a big running playlist that grows week by week with all the songs that I use for the show. So you can check that out. I will be back next week. I'll keep you guys updated. I'm hoping to get an update here on the car and maybe, I don't know, you know, I'm preparing for a couple weeks. Maybe it's only one week. Maybe they're able to get it done really fast. I mean, I hope, you know, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm just kind of thinking a couple weeks and uh, I'll keep you updated as we go. So I'll definitely be back next Wednesday. Not sure if I'm just going to do a regular episode or an interview, but I will <laughs> let you know. I'll let you know. We'll, we'll just get to next week and we'll see. We'll see. All right. Hey, that's it for me. I'm out of here. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.